Hey everyone, it's Tori. We want to thank you for your interest in our podcast so far. We do want to make a quick disclaimer that in this episode, we do talk about resources on racism and prejudices faced by people of color, and that while we share our personal opinions, they are not representative of all people groups as a whole. So we hope that you'll come by the library sometime soon and check out these resources for yourself. But until then, happy listening. Welcome to Worth Reading Wednesdays here at the Columbus Lounge Public Library System. This is a podcast hosted by CLPLS librarians about books we're reading and recommending and anything else that has caught our attention. My name is Tori. I'm the children's and teens librarian here at the Columbus Lounge Public Library System. And Nicole, what you got going on? Well, let me let you introduce yourself. <laughs> Sorry, I got that, too excited. That's okay. I know you're excited. I'm excited about this podcast today as well, this episode today. Um, my name is Nicole. I am the Acquisitions and Cataloging Coordinator, which is just a fancy way of saying I get to purchase the books and mm-hmm. spend other people's money. Yes, queen. Don't yes. we all wish we could do that? I know, right? <laughs> okay. Well, today you had mentioned that we're going to go over some books about racism and the t- how to approach it and things like that. And I just want to let you know, you put this book on my cart and it's brand spanking new. It's it one is. of my new books. And Hot I was off like, the cart. you told me yesterday we were going to talk about this. I was like, I got to read that book real quick. <laughs> I went home and read this book and I stayed up late to read it. And mm-hmm. this morning... <laughs> I yeeted myself out of the bed. I was like so late getting ready. And then I couldn't find my keys and my hair was not brushed. It was a godsend that I made coffee. I'm, I'm having a bad hair today too. Oh, it doesn't look like it. And um, I was getting ready to get out, get into my car and they're doing road work right in front of my driveway. And I was like, <gasps> and, then, and then it turned out my landlord was talking to the guy and he's like, hey, do you need to move? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't say it like that. I was like, yeah, because I was like <laughs> running and I was panicked and I couldn't find my keys. And then the guy moved and then I still couldn't find my keys. So then he moved back and I was like, no. <laughs> and then I found my keys and then he moved. <laughs> and I like texted my landlord because I was like, I'm so sorry if I came off as rude or curt to you. I was just in a panic. I could not <laughs> find my keys. I was going to be late. Coffee had not occurred yet, right? No. Well, I made coffee, but I had not ingested any. <laughs> Okay, so Tori needs coffee. Y'all hear that? And look, I'm the worst kind of person. I will, I'm the kind of person that I'll lose something. Like, I'll lose my sunglasses and they've been on my head the whole time. I'm that person. <laughs> I lost my keys this morning and they were in my backpack in a side pocket the whole time. <laughs> it's like, if I don't put something right back where I know it's going to mm. be, I'm t- my husband hates when I, like, oh, I miss <laughs> And I'm like, I didn't lose it. I just displaced it because I did. Right. I, I will find it. And odds are, it's right in front of me the entire time. And, you know. <laughs> but anyways, that was my morning. And I'm still trying to catch up. So. That's all right. You That's go ahead. Okay. What new things you got? We just received a grant from the Mississippi Humanities Council called the Anti-Racism Reading Shelf Grant. Ooh, okay. And it is just a grant that allows us to be able to purchase books about uh, racism and not sure what the other word I was looking for to say next, it just completely left my brain. <laughs> just like, 
It went swoosh. Swoosh. Okay, so. I like the sticker, though. Like, in the book, Nicole has placed a sticker that tells you that that's how the book was purchased. And it says, Anti-Racism Reading Shelf Grant. It has the Mississippi Humanities logo right smack dab on the front. So, Mm -hmm. if you pick a book up with that sticker, you know where it came from. I love that you do that. Yeah, and it says, From the Mississippi Humanities Council with financial support from Mississippians and the National Endowment for the Humanities. So, yeah, I didn't make the stickers. They actually came with the grant, and that's always nice. I love being able to put in where we have gotten grant money to purchase different things. Like, for instance, I had gotten a grant for graphic novels, believe it or not. And we were able to put a sticker in there saying that they were made possible by a particular grant. So, yeah, so if you pick up any of these or any books on anti-racism and you see this sticker, please thank the Mississippi Humanities for being able to give us this. And, of course, our director for you know, writing the grant to be able to get this, you know. You even do that for Arts Arts White, and that's part of our regular budget, right? Yes, it is. Well, from from the Arts White budget, actually. Okay, so So, it's a separate thing. mm -hmm. Now, those I actually create myself. I love it. Like, I I really like seeing that. I think it adds an extra layer of, I don't know. Community. Yeah. Who all supports us because we need the support. We just don't have enough money, resources, and everything else to be able to keep this community with information that they need. We have to provide information for the needs of the community. Definitely. So with resources from grants, from local support, that helps us out tremendously. Yeah. You, know, so. you said that way better than I. I was going to say it gives it a little extra zhuzh. <laughs> that's, that's not a... No, I like your answer but better. I like, but I like your zhuzh. I, I like that that's even a word. Zhuzh. How, do you, how does one spell the zhuzh? Actually, I'll look it up when you're talking about your new material because okay. it's an actual word. I want to say that okay. Webster's has... Merriam-Webster's put it in there some way, shape, or form. But anywho, moving on. Yes. So, my new material book that I wanted to mention caught my eye when I was checking it in and it's called ready to fly how Sylvia Townsend became the book mobile ballerina by Leah Lyon and a Lafay. it's got a forward by Sylvia Townsend herself and it's illustrated by Jessica Gibson now yeah. <laughs> no, I, gimme. 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 <laughs> now, you know why this caught my eye, right? Of course. Bookmobile. Bookmobile. And it has ballet. Um, Who would have thought? Look at her dancing in the living room with her mama and daddy. Yes. Too cute. It is one of the most beautiful, easy reader books I've come across where the art is just colorful and it's subtle and... I just love the big doe eyes of the characters. I like when, when they over-exaggerate the eye features. Yeah. And anyway, so Sylvia Townsend, she saw ballerinas flying across her TV screen in the 19, 1950s. And she wanted to do it too, but unfortunately there was no place for them, for her to be able to learn because all of the ballerina classes were for whites only. Mm-hmm. So, guess what she did? She made her own ballerina. She made her own. Go ahead, Sylvia. Right. She visited her bookmobile when it came to town, and she taught herself how to do ballet. And then she <gasps> then she taught other little girls how to do ballet as well. Yep, they're just standing on the sidewalk, and she's just on the stoop teaching them how to do all the different things. And so she got noticed by a Russian ballerina who was shocked that she had never been professionally trained and took her under her wing. 
And so in the back of the book, there is a note from the author about Sylvia's life, as well as a brief history of the bookmobile with pictures. So it's really, really nice. It was just a, such a cute book. To I mean, bookmobiles, we don't hear about them as often because I don't think it's one that's readily done a lot of nowadays. Yeah. But there are still some bookmobiles in rotation in some parts of the United States, which I think is super cute, uh, cool. And then that note from Leah has that gorgeous picture of Sylvia. She, uh, look at her legs, legs for days, yeah, girl. Yeah, she's oh my got gosh, and you, in there. right? She's on uh, on point, and oh my gosh, she's just she taught herself how to do all of that, and I'm just like in shock. And so she is actually still running, if I'm not mistaken her own ballerina class in California now. And she just was determined to teach other little girls about ballerina to anybody who wanted to learn, no matter of race or creed or anything. I love and I that. just think that's amazing. Yeah. And so and cute, this, cute, cute. This image of Sylvia that's in the note from Leah, it's super grainy, but she's the way she's holding her body is so delicate that you can still see like the grace in her hand and her, mm -hmm. the way she's placing her arm, uh, like right at her shoulders. And it it's is like so she beautiful. really spent a lot of time trying to teach herself about ballet by just reading books. Oh, the power of books, people. Yes. And then the next page, you have a whole timeline. I've never seen a timeline of bookmobiles this way. Mm -hmm. It's totally done by photos. And I love, you can see the evolution of the vehicles. Right. Um, it goes from the 20s, 40s, 60s, well, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and then today which I think is great. So I hope any little girl who wants to be a ballerina or because, or if you just want to know about somebody or if you're doing your child have to do a report on somebody, I've never heard of Sylvia Townsend at yeah. all. So just hearing about her just adds to the repertoire of different ballerinas in the world who are of color, like Misty Copeland and, and there are others. So I'm just, I saw that and I said, oh my goodness, this is so cute. Well, and as a children's librarian, I'm always looking for, I think there's been, I've actually had this confirmed to me by a, a regularly visiting parent who, she is a woman of color, and we were talking one day about the picture books for children of color, and mm -hmm. she did mention something that I, I hadn't thought of before, mm -hmm. and I'm now it's made my eye very critical as to books that you know, they have good intentions, but it's really just about the blackness of a child or the mm -hmm. color of their skin and has celebrating that. Mm -hmm. And she said, that's nice, but I want a book that shows my child doing something everybody else is doing. Right. And this, in a sense, is doing that. It's yes. showing that a little black girl can be a ballerina. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not talking about, I mean, for a certain aspect, it is talking about the, the racism and the discrimination she faced. And that's why she needed to start her own ballerina classes and educate mm -hmm. herself because nobody would do that for her based right. on the color of her skin but it does show her doing something right. in the world it shows her becoming something exactly. and it, celebrating her accomplishments mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with celebrating her skin color at all right. but that mother was just talking about we already do that in our home mm -hmm. we don't right. need another like she wasn't looking for another book to explain that because they had that covered, right. that kind of thing. So I thought that was interesting, and I really appreciate that this book does goes the extra mile. Right, and exactly. So, yeah, because they need to be able to see the Townsends, the the Catherines doing math. They need to see those yeah. kinds of books 
so that they can know that this is it well it should be normalized definitely that anybody whether and i love to use this this little phrase but whether they're pink purple or green anybody mm -hmm. can be anything in this world and so i think representation matters for everybody not just for african americans but for everybody we've got to normalize this definitely so I thought it was cute. I do too. Yay. Okay. I got to catalog it though, so you can't have it just yet. Oh, it's not all hot off the cataloging cart. No, part. it's not hot off the cataloging cart just yet. <laughs> My poor little soul. Oh. Okay. So what you got? Okay. I got two. Okay. I got two new. Two news. Two news. Okay. So this first one is called The Talk, Conversations mm -hmm. About Race, Love, and Truth. And it is edited by Wade Hudson and Cheryl Willis Hudson. Okay. But it is little essays, letters. Mm -hmm. There's like a few stories in here. And it's from a host of different authors. Mm -hmm. And it is... It's, oh, Nikki Grimes in there. Yes, Nikki Grimes is in here. Grace Lynn. A lot of illustrators that you may not have thought about, mm -hmm. like... Derek Barnes, he illustrated Ode to the Fresh Cut. I don't okay. know if you remember that yeah, book. Yeah, I remember that yeah. book. And I just, I was reflecting on this after I read it, and I love this book, but I hate that this book has to be a thing. Yeah. This book is all about the talk that parents of color have to give their children mm -hmm. about the discrimination and the prejudices they will experience in the world. Mm -hmm. And it is literally, you know, they're all different backgrounds. Min Lee is Vietnamese. Meg Medina is a Latinx. They, they have all different heritages, all different backgrounds. There's a viewpoint from an author who is a member of the Cherokee Nation in here. So it's, it's literally just little, and it's very personal. I'm surprised mm. at the bravery of some of these authors to, Grace Lynn specifically, it is, it looks like a photocopied picture of notebook paper of a letter that she wrote to her daughter. Oh, wow. And so she's, cute. And she's telling her daughter that when you have somebody call you a China doll, they are not complimenting you. Mm. They may think they are, but they are not. Wow. And she talks about how that objectifies her daughter. Mm -hmm. That says that they want to control her in a sort of, sort of way because a doll is something you can hold. A doll right. is something that manipulate. does not talk back. Right. That kind of and thing. can manipulate. Okay. That's just one thing. I did want to read... The very first, I think the very first part, it is so sweet. It's called Remember This by Renee Watson, mm -hmm. illustrated by Shadra Strickland. So you have these great illustrations that come with each story or each letter mm -hmm. or whatever you're talking about. I'm not going to read the whole thing. That would take too long. Mm -hmm. But I am going to read the last little part. Okay. And it says, you do not have to prove anything. All you have to do is be your best. All you have to do is remember where you come from whose legacy you've inherited. Learn yourself, black girl. And when they try to make you forget, when they attempt to erase your history, remind them that you know. And keep on knowing and remembering. And keep on and on. Keep on getting up after failure, after success, after darkness. Get up always and remember that every morning you rise is a form of resistance, a protest, a beginning, a way to start over, a way to continue. Mm. Profound. I I am not a person of color, so mm -hmm. I I can't begin to imagine the just the heartbreak that comes with having to have these conversations. 
But I would say that this book is great for anybody who wants to know how to navigate this world a little better. I mean, for anybody who is looking for a book that broadens their horizons to the different things that, you know, if you're a white reader and you don't face this stuff every day. Right, um, exactly. Or if you're a parent of color who's just so mentally exhausted at the thought, Mm-hmm. Maybe you can read this book and have a place to start. Right, exactly. Um, it's definitely one I want to read at some point. Um, I have had to had to have the talk with both of my children. We started with with my son Marcel at eight, I think it was. Mark mm-hmm. and I started beginning to explain things to him and my daughter. As far as in. Just embracing her skin color and, and embracing who she is. Of course, we did that from birth. But she's just now beginning to understand, based on what happens in the news or what has been happening in the news, that there's still so much more work to be done as it relates to racism of people of color, if just anybody about anything, and learning to speak up. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want. That's what I, would, I believe that minorities want people who are not of that minority group to be able to speak up and say that that's not right mm-hmm. and that we should not refer to Asian women as China dolls, that that mm-hmm. is offensive. And I just, I'm glad that books can help with that. If you don't want to watch a TED Talk, if you don't want to go to some kind of a of conference or anything about it because you know you just want to let it be just personal between you check the check a book out and read it so that you can understand from a different perspective i admit that you know visually when you're watching somebody on tv explain their hurt or explain why they're doing a particular thing it might not be as clear Mm -hmm. but when you're able to read people are able to put more words and be able to explain, I just think, a little bit more fully mm-hmm. so that you're able to connect with them on a human level. Yeah, and if you come across an idea or something you're not quite ready for yet, you exactly. can put the book down. Exactly. Whereas you may have to remember the link to get to the video or something. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's it's just about human decency. It you is. know, you wouldn't want anybody to treat your child Mm-hmm. any different than anybody else regardless of their skin tone everybody uh, wants the best for their children right and i think this book is trying to do the best for their children mm-hmm. so it's just it was a really powerful book and sure. i will say this last thing about it i like that it's not just african-american kids i like that it involves other ethnicities because we forget about the native americans we forget about asians and they're just as part of the people of color as African Americans. So this isn't just African Americans fight against racism. This is everybody, but definitely involving other people of minorities of people of color. Well, and I appreciate the approachability of this book. This one is the one that specifically is written by the member of the Cherokee Nation is called The Way of the Anikiduhwagi. Mm-hmm. And she gives you the pronunciation in the back so you can understand it a little bit better. But she does talk about, you know, there's a section, some will envy your lineage. Many will claim to be Cherokee when they are not. They want to be 
indigenous to this land, but only those from native nations living here since time immemorial have that legal identity as dual citizens of their tribes and of the United States. You come from strong people who have survived repeated attempts to be assimilated and an or annihilated. That is why it's important to learn our language, be involved in ceremonial life, and carry out your responsibilities as a Cherokee citizen. So it's really powerful in that it's it's almost talking about the dualities you face as a person of color mm -hmm. in the United States. You have this you you have white culture that mm -hmm. you're dealing with, and then you have your own culture mm -hmm. that you're trying to move through strategically yes you're trying to move through strategically you're trying to uphold but you know as a child some children don't see it that way they right. they're just like why can't i just mom i just mm -hmm. want to go to school and not think about it and you're like no you you mm -hmm. got to do a little extra work you do so you do i just that's it's a good book yeah. I, I believe that it will help a lot of people both non-white and people of color will be able to appreciate that particular book it is very powerful it's a good choice and it's very i mean it's short and it's yeah it's can short. be read in very short sections mm -hmm. at a time digestible clumps. yes so sure. that is in our 300 section in the juvenile nonfiction. the second runner-up i had that i wanted to mention briefly was called black brother black brother okay i saw that is it's a YA book right it is actually a juvenile in my section oh okay i want to say i recall that uh, cataloging it but I w I'd love to be able to see what you want to say about that so it was Black Brother Black Brother by Jewel Parker Rhodes mm -hmm. and I just wanted to mention it I actually don't have it with me today because I had recommended it to a parent and she ended up checking it out with her cool. son because he was looking for sports books mm -hmm. and Black Brother Black Brother talks a lot about fencing and I've okay. never seen fencing yeah um so essentially the main character he he is going to a, a prestigious private school and he's going with his brother and the only problem is he is enduring acts of racism all day long he is dealing with at the very beginning of the book he's getting arrested for throwing mm. his backpack on the floor oh wow in a fit of like frustration mm -hmm. because he's continually being targeted by bullies and then the bullies have him sent to the principal's office and the principal calls the cops on him because he threw his backpack on the ground so the whole premise of the book is that his mother is black and his father is white. Mm -hmm. He has a brother that goes to the school with him, and his brother is white-facing or looks white more than he does black. Okay. He, the main character, happens to look more black than he does white, and they're mm -hmm. blood brothers. There's no okay. Nobody's having a child with somebody else. It's it's straight. You know, they're just mixed African American and white. Right. And one just happens to look more African American than the other. Mm. And you're going through this main character's perspective of constantly getting racially profiled in mm -hmm. a sense. Well, not in a sense. He is getting racially profiled. And his brother does not have that problem. Mm. And they're blood blood brothers. brothers. Yeah. By the same exact people. And they, they've always faced this and his brother tries to be there for him. But, you know, there's certain, there's, you can only have so much empathy until you just can't cannot get that viewpoint mm -hmm. so he ends up channeling his frustration and he goes to this community center and ends up fencing with an older man he's about in his i want to say 60s mm -hmm. and it turns out this man is actually a former olympic fencer cool and so it talks a lot about the 
the sport of fencing. I ended up, it mentions a book on fencing in that book, and I ended up marking it as something I wanted to read because he mm. gets so into the intellectual strength you need to have to fence. And I mm. never thought that was a thing, but he talks a lot about how you have to read people because mm. fencing is very, it's very quick, but you have to learn to read their signals, when they're going to jab, when they're going to lean back. and. Mm-hmm. And it's a very mental game. And I was so surprised by that. I never, (laughs) like, one, the extent of my knowledge of fencing is that scene in, what is it? It's the the parent trap. It's where Lindsay (laughs) Lohan is the twins. And she's fighting, they're fighting each other and fencing or whatever. That's not important. (laughs) Let me just say my scope of fencing is very limited. So I was, like, very, so into it. it. And he just ends up, the biggest takeaway for me was that he ends up understanding that the fight that he has mm-hmm. with this bully at school is something he's going to face. Like, he's always going to face some sort of it. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't, you know, he originally, I'm going to fence and I'm going to beat this guy and I'm just going to win. And I'm going to, you know. But then he, the character development, he starts maturing and understanding that this mm-hmm. is not worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not worth it to go that far. It's not worth it to entertain that because essentially if you entertain it, you're letting them win. Mm. It is so good. So that was Black Brother, Black Brother by Jewel Parker Rhodes. Cool. So we got ballerina. We got fencing. It's so cool. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> I did, You know, you mentioned how like our stuff ends up jiving right. sometimes without even in, us mentioning it. Right. I think that happened again. So what are you recommending for us today? So you mentioned that grant yesterday to me, and I Mm -hmm. really started thinking about resources on racism and prejudice that I think everybody should be aware of, Mm -hmm. if not read. And I brought some books that I read over the pandemic that I were very informative to me and about my own interactions in the world and um even like I've changed some of the things that I do on social media Mm -hmm. just it it helped me it helped inform me better Mm -hmm. and honestly I think it's something that if you're not gonna read anything that's fine if you're going to read one thing I think it should be so you want to talk about race by Ijeoma Oluo okay I feel like people sometimes want to have it done for them in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to be offensive with any of this. It's very, it's a very hard topic. It is something that you don't want to approach. Mm -hmm. So if anybody can sit down and tell you the brass tacks really quickly, I think, I mean, that's natural to want that. Mm -hmm. And I think this is as brass tacks as you're going to get. Ijeoma Oluo does some of the hard work of why it's inappropriate to ask somebody, can I touch your hair? You Mm -hmm. know? It's inappropriate to ask somebody, why can't I say a racial slur, but you can? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. She talks about these topics that maybe you don't want to ask somebody of color about because mm-hmm. you're, you know how it's going to come off. You're mm-hmm. uncomfortable. You can't voice that. So she does talk about a lot of these things. She does have a white mother. And she, you know, let's just go through the contents. One, is it really about race? Mm. Two, what is racism? Three, what if I talk about race wrong? Mm. Four, why am I always being told to check my privilege? Six, is police brutality really about race? Mm. Eight, what is the school-to-prison pipeline? That's a good one. Nine, why can't I say the N-word? Ten, what is cultural appropriation? Mm. It just, it's 101 Mm -hmm. if you need it. And I think if you're not, if nobody's going to read anything else, it should be this book. 
But if you want 102, in a sense. <laughs> You're giving classes, girl. I am not giving classes. I'm not an expert. Don't, <laughs> don't, please don't think that that's me coming off that way. I'm oh, just no, no, saying, no, no. No, no, no. I just I, love that it's, that it's, you're going, okay, if you want a one-on-one, here's this. Yeah. But then if you want to go, if you're, if you're done with one-on-one and you feel confident and you want to go on to, to class 102, yeah. this is the next one you should read. Definitely. So from my perspective, I'm a white woman and I feel like that is kind of what I'm viewing it as in yeah. a sense, because it's like, it's a, it's a level up. It's an mm. evolution. Yeah. Um, so, and I commend you for reading that over the pandemic, you know, and and just because there was so much that happened in March, and then that just hit the fan. Gosh, that for you to want to pick that up and be able to read it just so you can get a better understanding, I appreciate that as an African American woman. So thank you. Well, um, I think it was. A responsibility of all of us that we needed to do and I think a lot of us I, I think I saw a lot of people picking up books about these topics during that time mm-hmm. I still try to continue that work um, just because it's not headline news anymore right doesn't mean that it needs to be forgotten right and I I think it's always something I'm gonna try to really maintain my awareness of and I really appreciate that this book on or the talk um mm-hmm. was in that on my cart because I I try to read nonfiction, but nonfiction's not something that I gravitate toward mm-hmm. so in doing that work and continuing to look at viewpoints other than my own I try to read books like Mindy Kim and the seaweed business right. and of characters who are going through things that I may not ever experience mm-hmm. and I try to really empathize and look at that critically other than right. just oh this is a cool book about you know whatever fantasy thing that I'm going through mm-hmm. I try to do some extra work and like pick out characters that are not that yeah. don't look like me yeah um but this one I just I love a book title that gets to the point right let me just tell you what I love me a good book title <laughs> that I'm I'm not I'm a no business or a what is it I just love a book that really gets to the business you know what you're gonna get when you pick up this right so it's called how to be less stupid about race by crystal m fleming and crystal goes through if you're a delicate flower this may not be the book for you (laughs) (laughs) that's why this is 102 yes uh so introduction is the origins of racial stupidity (laughs) and then chapter one is the idiot's guide to critical race theory Mm. this book is very much an academic book so okay if you are um, intimidated by footnotes, if looking in the back at the notes is something that intimidates you, take it slowly if you're going to mm. read it. She is a professor, so oh, okay. she she's very much, I have all the all the receipts for what I'm saying right now. Right. Um, <laughs> so it, it's very much like, here's what's happening. You went to the coffee shop, you talked to Ijeoma Aluo, mm-hmm. now you're going into the classroom. Okay. And you're expanding your knowledge. Okay. And you may not agree with everything she says. Mm-hmm. I know um, people who are white and people of color who don't agree with what she says. I know people mm-hmm. who are white and people of color who do agree with what she says. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's a hot take, but um, it doesn't, it opens your horizons even further. The third book that I have is What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker. Mm-hmm. And this one was my, it's a memoir and essays by Damon Young. And he cracks me up. Damon <laughs> Young, 
I feel like he's that introvert that gets adopted by the extrovert. <laughs> and he's he's the guy sitting in the corner, not mm-hmm. saying anything, until he says something real funny. And then you're <laughs> in stitches, and you never heard him talk before. And you're like, what? Who is this guy? Um, and he just talks about growing up as a black guy and growing up with his parents struggling to make ends meet because mm-hmm. of different things. And it does have racial slurs in it. I will say that the very first... The very first chapter, it has a racial slur in it, and mm-hmm. that's something that you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. But he talks about how he wanted his own fight story. Oh. And he talks about how, and this is just the first chapter exclusively, he talks about how everybody has a fight story, mm-hmm. and he wanted it so bad, and he kept, like, waiting for somebody to, like, post up and scrap with him, and it never <laughs> happened. And he was like, does this make me less of a man because, like, nobody ever fought me? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first Chapters. Oh, okay. And, you know, it goes through his evolution. He meets his wife. He, and he, oh, I will never forget. He talked about the awkwardness that happens when he switches, when he switched barbers. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, this guy, I went to him because he was a good guy, but mm-hmm. he was a terrible barber. <laughs> <laughs> and then he talks about how, like, he sees gentrification happening in mm-hmm. the neighborhood that he, you know, frequented so much and, you know, it was a place he called home, but then all these new shops are coming up and a lot more white people are coming in. He's like, he doesn't have, to me, he just kind of accepted it. He didn't have really any anger about it, but it was just interesting that he thought it, it was kind of like, I don't know if you've heard of how kids today find champ, like the champion brand clothing. Mm -hmm. It's now skyrocketed in value. Wow. And when you used to get it. that off the rack at Walmart for right. like $14.99. Right. It's kind of like that on a bigger scale of like, he was wearing a champion the whole time and now all the white folks think it's cool. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, that's the best parallel I can make of it. But he's talking about how as this neighborhood's getting gentrified, that barber that he's going to is in that neighborhood. And he's like, man, he's a terrible barber. I had to get out. But then I bumped into him because I went to the Chipotle. And, I, <laughs> and he's like, I had to get away from him. And I had to, like, dip. And then when I saw him, finally, there it wasn't as awkward as I thought it was going to be. He was just like, oh, hey, man, how's your family? And that was it. Mm-hmm. But I built it up in my head the whole yeah. time because that barber was going to kill me because <laughs> I was cheating on him. <laughs> he was cheating on his barber. So, but he's very upfront about his own experiences but he's Mm -hmm. not he's not apologetic and he's not explanatory he's like this is just how it is for me yeah it's not for everybody definitely individual yeah and I really appreciate an individualistic memoir I Mm -hmm. I feel like it's fan service when people write a memoir that's like here is my life and here is everything you need to know (laughs) and y'all can see these arms (laughs) (laughs) well I'm just saying like and memoir should be about you yeah it shouldn't be about your audience Yes. And mm-hmm. Damon doesn't do his, like, I mean, he's writing to an audience, but yeah. he's not so self-conscious about mm-hmm. the audience that it it interrupts the writing. And I was cracking up. <laughs> I, we had just reopened a little bit, and we were at the point in the library where we had that front desk in the front door. Mm-hmm. People could come in. And me and Catherine were actually working on shift down at the desk, and I was cackling at this book. <laughs> I was cackling. Um <laughs> He's just so funny. And so I was reading stuff out loud to Catherine. Mm-hmm. I was like, listen to this. Listen to this. It was one of those books. So oh, okay. It, and that wanna... makes it interesting and, and easier to read, you know. Yeah. So you went to the coffee shop. 
Right. Then you went to class, and now you're at study group with your friend who's sitting there telling you, man, let me tell you this story. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's very, it's very, it's heart-wrenching, but it's heartwarming, mm-hmm. but it's, it's so approachable. So yeah. that's what doesn't kill you makes you blacker. And memoir and essays by Damon Young. This touches race on a different way. I think it, the accountability factor, I didn't feel it so much. That's just my experience reading it. I did mm-hmm. not feel like I was being attacked. I don't think I'm, I don't ever feel like I'm being attacked, okay. but I, I don't feel like I was like in a classroom. Like, oh, okay. okay, here's what you need to know about this experience. I felt like very much like, hey, man, what's up? Here's how things are. Oh, okay. It felt more like conversational. Definitely. Chilling. Yes. Okay. Like, I felt like I was in a beanbag the whole time I was really? reading this book. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that um, because they're two, all these books are very different and they all have different intents. And I think right. Damon's intent was for you to be in that beanbag. Oh, okay. And he did it, he did it very well. And I think Crystal's intent with how to be less stupid about race was kind of for you to be in that classroom. She was like, mm. you need to know these things. Right. And you need to read my footnotes because there's lots of information. You need to go follow these links and do the homework. Right. And then Ijeoma was like, you need to go to that classroom, but first, before you get there, here's what you, you're going to mm. find. So I just really appreciated all of these voices, and it informed me better about just different experiences that aren't my own. So... That was how you want to. Good. I'm wanting to read some of those. And these are all in the library. These are all library books that we have on the shelf. I pulled them off the shelf last night um, (laughs) to get ready for this. So it was So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Aluo, How to Be Less Stupid About Race by Crystal M. Fleming, and What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker, a memoir and essays by Damon Young. Okay. Well, you did the nonfiction side of our anti racism episode today. I'm doing the fiction literature side of it gimme and i'd like to first mention that we have recently designated an african-american section okay it's at the beginning of our regular fiction section okay um main main fiction section believe it or not when we've had people come in recently, they've said, hey, you know, where's your African-American books? And now we're able to say, oh, they're in the back, but they're at the very front of our main fiction section. And we had way more than I thought. So we want them to be read, and uh, but we would just, please bring them back. Anywho, the first one that I have, and oh, by the way, I have not read any of these. Okay. okay? These are just based on popular checkouts. Okay. The first one is called Ethic by Ashley Antoinette. And it's an urban fiction series that she started in 2018. And this has gotten checked out so much, you can see how well-loved it is. And we actually had a coworker here that was reading this, and she swore by this series. And uh, she would say to me, hey, can you grab the next ethic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she does have a new series out this year mm-hmm. that she's starting called Butterfly. And we've had a lot of other people check out Ethic by Ashley Antoinette as well. Next is a compilation of sci-fi fantasy stories. I love the title. I already (laughs) love it. (laughs) And the artwork on the front is just exquisite. But the name of this book is How Long Till Black Future Month. And it is by one of the most prolific African-American writers of the sci-fi fantasy genre. N.K. Jemison. There you go. But the photograph on the front of this book is futuristic, but it's futuristic in a way that is so incredibly beautiful. This girl's mohawk is killing it. And then with the accessories that they've added to it to just 
bring, I think, that feel of futuristic, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, like that kind of thing. But she wrote all these different stories. Like here's some of the titles, The Trojan Girl. I love that. Cloud Dragon Skies, The Brides of Heaven. But um, uh, if you've never read anything by N.K. Jemisin, gosh, you definitely should read this. Um, she's it. famous for her her science fiction part. I'm trying to think of the actual trilogy that she has. Um, it's not sure. Broken Earth one. Trilogy? Is that what Yeah, the Broken Earth tr Trilogy. That's right. The Broken Earth Trilogy. I've heard so many good things, and I still haven't read her. I think yeah. I really need to. So that was my second pick for a recommendation. And again, like I said, I have not read any of these, but it would be nice for me to be able to sit down and pick one up. And then the last one I wanted to mention is a new 2020 book by well-loved author Beverly Jenkins. Her title is On the Corner of Hope and Maine. This isn't, uh, she has written romance before, but this isn't one of her kind of romance things. It's kind of like her sisterhood, churchish kind of thing storyline okay it's a blessings novel so it's a part of her blessings series so more of a, a contemporary christian fiction of a sense yeah sort of kind of let me let me just read the inside blurb trent july has been the mayor of this historic town for the past four years but now he's ready to let someone else take up the mantle barrett Payne, a former marine decides he wants the job but when a surprise candidate also enters the ring, the town has strong opinions on who would be the best choice. And that's not the only drama, as Malachi, Mal, July, continues to make reparations for the damage he's caused and the people he's betrayed, especially his lady love, Bernadine. Is she finally ready to forgive him and let the past go? As the residents of Henry Adams have learned, life will throw obstacles their way. But it's how they come together and rise above these challenges that keeps the bonds of their close-knit community strong. So I just got the image of Columbus just reading, listening to that, like small town. Small town gossip. Yeah, yeah. that's what this, this book is kind of like. If somebody ran for mayor, everybody would have opinions about mm, it. And, yeah. you know, if, if a dark horse entered the ring... That would cause some kerfuffles. <laughs> kerfuffles. Look at you in these new words today. <laughs> That's one of my favorite words ever, kerfuffle. <laughs> but I was just thinking, like, I don't know. That just screamed our town for me. I don't know why. Yeah. I would bet. And that's what I had for recommended reads. I mean, we've got a whole section. So hopefully by the time you hear this, you've been to come see us or you've inquired about some of the books that we have in our African-American section. So... They're there, and you'll be able to find them quickly and choose what you want. And definitely a way to celebrate these voices. Yes. Um, get some new viewpoints and mm -hmm. see some great culture happening. Exactly. Like, play out on the page, for right. sure. Some different ways of looking at, you know, fiction and the, the ways that those dynamics happen out besides what happens in real life, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. that kind of enjoyment love yeah. and all kinds of stuff so that's what i had okay okay well what's your non-book recommendation oh i'm so excited about this one my non-book rec is an app called be my eyes be my eyes i've heard of this yay okay their website at be my eyes.com says everyday sighted volunteers lend their eyes to solve tasks big and small to help blind and low vision people lead more independent lives. So this is how it works. I, I downloaded the app last year, all right? And someone video calls you, 
I'm not sure how it works on the side of the blind or low vision person. Yeah. But they call, they video call you and you basically just help them with the task by guiding them by using your eyes. You know, they do tell you when you first sign up that it's way more volunteers than there are blind vision people. It's like, uh, I love that though. It's like it's like four million volunteers to three hundred thousand blind low vision. Everybody wants to be the eyes. Everybody wants to be the eyes. They tell you, you know, you might not get your first call right away, and they were right. Mm-hmm. I got my first call last December, but I missed it because I wasn't able to answer it. I was doing something else, and you know, and I so I was like, oh, I missed my first call. Mm-hmm. Then I got another one that came in and I answered and it was so funny because I was so like professional I answered the phone and said hi this is Nicole how can I help you today I love it <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually a gentleman who didn't even need help he was just reaching out to say thank you to volunteers who are actually helping out people like him Aww. he asked if my family was safe during the pandemic and I asked him the same and we just chit-chatted for just a quick second you know and it was just so beautiful and heartwarming uh to just talk to him and hear him you know say thank you but I was like I haven't done anything yet this is my first call and you're calling the thing yeah I I will admit that I definitely teared up because it was one the first call that I answered and it was with someone who was actually thanking me for just being a volunteer so be my eyes is an app that I think everybody should download, even if you never get a call, you know, at least to say that I've been a part of this to help somebody makes me feel good. And you can read more about it on BeMyEyes.com. That's B-E-M-Y-E-Y-E-S.com. Well, Nicole, you've made my small Grinch heart three sizes bigger. Ah! <laughs> I love that. I've seen stuff about it, mm-hmm. and I've seen posts about it, and I saw, I occasionally get on the Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as popular as it once was, I I don't think, but there was a post one time about this girl. She had gotten her call, mm-hmm. and she was like, this guy just asked me, you know, to help him with the microwave buttons. Mm-hmm. I was just like, ah! And the human decency and kindness that is behind that. Like, Mm -hmm. how much energy did it take for you to download that app? Right. None. None. And then, how much energy does it take to just be like, oh, yeah, it's right there. Right. None. Right. And you're helping somebody with, oh, it's just. Yeah. My heart can't take it. Right. Exactly. Like, for instance, you know, I've read a book where a blind person, they were explaining how they, you know, chose their, you know, clothes because they obviously can't see the color. Some of them are able to have stitching that's placed inside certain parts of their clothing so they can just feel for it. It reminds me of Ray, the movie that Jamie Foxx played in where that's what he did with his socks. He had stitching in them to tell the difference between his brown and black socks. But not everybody has that luxury. So you could get a call where somebody says, hey, I'm getting ready to wash clothes and I want to put in all my reds together. You know, can you make sure that every piece that I pick up is a red? Because if it's not, we need to put it in a different I love it. And so I still am longing for my first call where I get to actually help somebody. But just that first one that I got where a guy was just saying, thank you for just being a volunteer, period. Yes. My heart was so warm. You were talking about that. And you mentioned Ray. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got the giggles because I came (laughs) across this, this, 
I don't, it was some kind of social pose. And it was Shaq, like Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. And he was convinced that Stevie Wonder is not blind. <laughs> <laughs> Shaq would be the one to say that. Like, yeah, right? Like, some of the stuff that he tweets alone, like, is like, what? <laughs> but, okay, he's saying that he got on an elevator with Stevie Wonder one day and didn't say a word to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Let's think about this. Stevie Wonder been out here a minute. Like, right. He been in the world a hot minute. A hot minute. That man is standing in that elevator. I'm I'm not blind, but I can imagine he's thinking about the weight that of somebody else who gets on the elevator. He can smell them right. very well. He can hear very mm-hmm. well. So, and Shaq's like, I got on this elevator. I didn't say a word to him. And he goes, hey, Shaq, how are you? And he's like, he's not... <laughs> I did not say a word. So, like, Shaquille O'Neal is convinced. And I don't know if this is real. This could have just been a fake post. I'm not validating it or saying that it's true. Like, I, you know, but, like, it it tickled me. It tickled me. Because, like, I just think Shaquille O'Neal, like, big old dude. Right. He's just like, he's got a conspiracy theory and he's running with it. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, I hope that... Shaq comes to we a gonna final pray for him. Right, we're we gonna, we gonna put him on the prayer list because <laughs> uh, Stevie been out here for a minute, a long little time. He's he's you know, I, I the other senses are heightened. Yes, you know, so there's no telling. Heightened being the pun there with Shaq being as tall as he is. So you know, oh my goodness. Okay, well, so my non-book recommendation is not nearly as altruistic as okay. yours, but let me tell you what. I came up with this on the fly, I'm not going to lie, but it has actually impacted my life mm-hmm. because I make my coffee in this thing, mm. and it stays warm until 5 o'clock at night. Ooh. Exactly. Where'd you get that from? I need that for tea. I bought it at a store in Tuscaloosa, but it's it's from the brand Game Time Sidekicks. Okay. And it's a tumbler. It's a coffee tumbler, folks. It's not an icing app because I'm, you know... <laughs> It's fine. I'm not as great as Nicole. <laughs> but I will say it does make me a better person. <laughs> I believe it. Based on our discussion first thing this morning. Okay. Look. Uh, <laughs> the coffee is real. Tori without coffee. Coffee is not struggle a, is real. Tori without coffee is not a Tori I would wish upon anyone. <laughs> um and if my coffee can stay warm for 12 hours, yeah. that is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think their, like, price range is, like, $30. But, I, I mean, I think Yetis are way more expensive than that. I don't, mm, I don't yeah. follow the Yeti world. I don't know yeah. if they're more expensive. But um, you can get these. They come with, like, they're ready to come with logos of your favorite sports teams. But okay. I did check online. You can get them without it. Okay. Um, you can, like, design your own. Neat. But, yeah, I mean, this thing, you leave the cap locked, and mm-hmm. it stays warm for the entire day. And it's life-changing. And I mean that. I believe that. Because when you go get busy with something, and then you come back, and you're like, man, I'm going to drink this cold coffee. Right. I'm not a cold brew person, people. <laughs> and Catherine told me, she was like, yeah, you look like a cold brew person. Because I came from the coffee shop, and the lady, like, we did not talk about... I ordered my coffee, mm-hmm. and I didn't, like, 
I assumed that she knew. <laughs> well, you know what assumptions do. And she gave me a call through, and my soul just quivered up and died inside of me. <laughs> I do not, and no offense to the cold brew loving folks. Y'all a different breed. I respect you. Because mm, I, I can drink cold coffee. I can't do it. Oh, <laughs> there's something that's giving me the squiggles in my body. I just, <laughs> is, coffee is not meant to be cold. Hot take. Don't at me. <laughs> but... So, she gave me cold brew, and I was talking to Catherine, and I was like, man, and Catherine's like, yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I would take cold brew for you, and if I didn't know you, I was offended. <laughs> I was offended, with a capital O. Uh-oh. Not really, but <laughs> apparently I look like a cold brew person, so <laughs> I oh, gosh. am a warm brew all the way gal. All right. I love me some tea, and uh, this keeps it warm for all the days. Well, I'm definitely going to look it up because I need one. Definitely need, need one. Well, it's starting to get cold around it here. It, uh, only uh, only into December. Oh, well, of course, because, you know, Mississippi weather is its own kind of different weather. Oh, my word. I am a native Tennessean, and I was living in North Carolina before I moved here. And Tennessee's winter, you got summer and then you got winter. You got, like, that one week of fall. <laughs> North Carolina has, like, actual seasons. It was wild to me. Like, a wild concept. You really? got a fall. You got the the leaves falling down on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Mm -hmm. You got, like, the Biltmore's doing all the things. Mm -hmm. And then you have a winter, and it's snowy. And then you have a spring. And then you have... It was so crazy to me. They mm -hmm. have four seasons over there. Right. Mississippi, no. It's, mm -hmm. like... Summer. summer and summer junior. Yeah. <laughs> That's that exactly so what it is because I mean, summer <laughs> junior. That's the best thing I've heard. Oh, when I say uh, my allergies and my sinuses stay going up and down, oh, we yeah. can be literally thirty-five degrees, a high of thirty-five degrees on one day, and not even a day or two days later, we're up to seventy degrees um, as a high. I would, I do low key feel like I'm living in a. Florida without the beach. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I I lived in Virginia for ten years when my husband we moved there. Uh, he was in the Navy, and when I say Those I loved it, winters were cool. Yeah, um, winter was winters. Uh, we you know we weren't always gonna get snow, but when we did, it was it was fun. It was enjoyable, and the kids loved it. But my daughter, she's been disappointed since for a long time because she wants snow down here in Mississippi. And I keep trying to tell her, baby doll, Mississippi does not give snow. No, no, they may give you one snowstorm, like snow, like not even snowstorm. We would call it an ice storm. Mm -hmm. You get one like every 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's pretty much it. Right. And in January, we'll be starting to warm up again. Yeah, so sad. <laughs> so, so sad. We I will say it. we got snow in North Carolina when I was there. And it was 12 plus inches. And we couldn't, like, I had to work from home. Wow. This was, like, pre-pandemic working from home. Mm. And I was so salty. I was like, <laughs> I, if I never see a snowflake again, it will be a day too soon. <laughs> and, and now I'm kind of like... I'm not sitting on the corner, you know, I'm not flushing the ice, wearing my pajamas backwards to get some right. snow. It would be nice to see a snowflake, but then I yeah. could just go up to Tennessee for that, you know? Like, yeah, true. I'm not a snow person. After, it's, see, I'd be a snow person if it didn't melt. Mm. But it's the melting part. 
because you're, you're playing in the snow, you're having fun, you're building your snowman, you're doing the things, and then you get inside and you're wet, and you're like, what is this? Because yeah. it's so cold, you don't realize you're wet, and then right. you get inside until you're like, wet, wet. Right. It's, it's... I love the snow. I love to be, I love it for it to be cold, because I can always warm up. Yeah. I hate the heat, and Mississippi's heat is stifling. Yeah. It is, it, I have been so offended <laughs> at the heat. Like, I've been, I've felt personally attacked. Um, I've thought about going to counseling about my issues with the heat because it's, it's unbearable and my sinuses can't take it. It just, it's like. I'm a summer baby. Mm-mm. I was born in August. That's what I know. I will say, I love the winter because it is nice to just be able to mm-hmm. chill and if you need to put some on. But the summer to me has more, it overrides in my brain mm-hmm. because it has more nostalgic and more, summer's always just more fun in my brain. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm always expecting to get out of school, but I'm not. <laughs> and I'm like, where's my three months off from work? You know, and then there's that right. time period of grieving where you realize you're an adult now. Right. <laughs> um, but it's still fun. You do I don't know. I'm, I'm a February baby, so that's well, probably that why sense. I like the yeah. cold. I love, I'm like, I feel like I was a cat in a past life. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I love when it's really sunny outside mm-hmm. and the sun's coming through the window and you can crawl up right under that window and just bake. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Anyways, we've been on here too long, so. Okay. Well, we'll see you next week. Yes, next yeah, week. Sure. This will debut in December, so. Hi from the past, people. Right, hi from the past. (laughs) Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.